Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Sunday, it's the 23rd of November 2014. We've got Thanksgiving coming up, so I hope everybody uh, has a good Thanksgiving, or if you're listening to this and Thanksgiving has already come and gone, I hope you had a good one. Alright, we do have some good feedback for the show today. Uh, A couple of bits of it are dealing with the Alzheimer's question that I had had, and uh, another one. Uh, or actually, it's, uh, part two of uh, Alex's feedback has to deal with, uh, again, kind of having that smaller firearm. So let's go ahead and jump in first with uh, Adam's bit of feedback. And this has to do uh, with somebody in your family or somebody that you know that has Alzheimer's. Hello, Tony. It's Adam Bratcher from Elizabeth, Indiana. I listen to Firearms Cafe and... Uh, talking about the uh, grandparents with firearms um, and Alzheimer's. Uh, We had my grandfather uh, died from Alzheimer's a few years back, and uh, we moved into their house, and as we were moving out, some of the furniture found that his thirty-eight revolver uh, looked like it had been shot through the nightstand, which he kept it in. Uh, Guessing he was probably sitting on the edge of the bed playing with it, didn't know it was loaded, I don't really know what happened uh didn't know what happened until we moved the nightstand but uh something i was thinking about was um that we would have probably done is talk to a sheriff and probably took the gun and if he ever realized it was gone uh told him that maybe it had got stolen or uh he just lost it um but talk to the sheriff so that he know if it was reported stolen that uh you know what had happened uh, to keep him safe. We did the same sort of thing uh, with his car, talked to the sheriff, they talked to the license branch, and therefore they required him to come and take another driving course, which in there he lost his license. Uh, just kept the hard feelings of us coming to him and taking his car keys out of the equation so he didn't show any resentment. Just a thought I had, thought I'd share it. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. 
All right, Adam. Hey, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. Um, before we get in too far with this, what we'll do is we will go ahead and um, I will read um, the voicemail. That, not the voicemail, excuse me. I will read the uh, feedback that we have from Alex. Um, and like He's got two parts, uh, like I said, and uh, so... I'll go ahead and jump in. Uh, and again, this is from Alex, and he writes uh, two pieces of feedback today. Number one, if I had someone in my family or close to me that had something like Alzheimer's or a similar mental issue, I don't feel that I would be able to trust them with firearms. I look at it this way. If I couldn't trust them enough to leave my three-year-old with them, then I wouldn't feel comfortable leaving firearms with them. Besides the fact that they could mistake you or someone else they know for an intruder and shoot them, they may also put their gun down somewhere and forget that they had a gun or where they put it. What if their grandchild is over and finds the gun they left somewhere? What if they leave it outside and a neighbor's kid finds it, etc.? Since they have Alzheimer's, they probably wouldn't even remember that they had guns or you could take them and if they ask you where they are, tell them that they sold them last month and that they just don't remember. Uh, so here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump in and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Alzheimer's thing, uh, and then I will uh, read the rest of uh, Alex's email uh, because it has something to do uh, with the smaller guns. And I also have some news about that as well. So, you know, when we when we look at, at uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever you want to call it, um, there are different stages and uh, obviously different levels of that and also how it affects their personality. Um, you know, can be different for the person. But, you know, the more I've thought about it, um, I think I have, have come more to the, along the lines of being in agreement with uh, both Alex and Adam that you, at some point, it does become uh, a safety issue. My, uh, I think I've talked about this before. Uh, my mother passed away, uh, you know, about 10 years ago. And uh, she passed away from cancer. And what had happened was is she had cancer uh, about, you know, three or four years before, uh, had treatment. It went into remission and then she was good, like I said, you know, for a little bit. And then it, it kind of came back. And when it came back, she decided, well, I'm not going to go through that again um, just to buy an extra two months of life and, and be miserable that whole time. Uh, you know, which for her was the right decision, I think. You know, uh, the, the nature of her illness was so advanced and uh, systemic that there was you know, there wasn't really going to be anything that, that could be done for her, uh, you know, other than, you know, maybe having to, uh, maybe she'd get an extra couple of months, but the, those extra couple of months were, were just going to be terrible. Uh, but anyway, one of the um, effects of some of the medication that she was on was it sort of gave her Alzheimer's like symptoms and her personality didn't change, but you know, she had trouble remembering things. 
she would just say kind of odd things that were out of the blue that, you know, to, to her made, made sense, you know, that, uh, uh, but, you know, in, in the context of what was going on, uh, it didn't. So also my wife's grandmother, her husband, uh, had, uh, Alzheimer's and as the stages went on, it kind of changed his personality. Um, I didn't really know him that well, but, uh, from the, the time that I was around and, and time that I kind of spent with him, he, he kind of knew enough that he knew, you know, stuff was going bad for him. And it kind of made him um, kind of angry and bitter and things like that. And uh, uh, because he knew he knew stuff was slipping away from him. And again, especially this was in later stages. Uh, again, the, the the what I've seen in people is sometimes that they their mind tells them, Hey, this is a great idea or, you know, stuff that they would just never normally do pops into their head and everything to them seems normal. And it seems like it's the right thing to do. Or, you know, so, uh, like with Adam, when his, you know, his grandfather had probably shot the gun through the thing and, and at the time maybe like was upset or, uh, you know, kind of startled that he did it, but then put the gun back down and then 20 minutes later had no memory of it. You know, you can have conversations with them and they don't 30 minutes later. It's like that conversation never happened. Uh, although it's weird that sometimes that they, they'll retain, and again, it's different for everybody, but they'll retain stuff, certain things. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, the idea of, um, you know, maybe told, I, I like the idea maybe a little bit better of telling them that, oh, you know, you sold those last month and don't you remember that? And if they were be like, no, and I go, well, you did. And I think that's probably the, the, you know, a good idea, you know, like what Alex had said, but also what, you know, Adam had said is, you know, just because they have it doesn't mean that they, that they're going to forget everything. And if you're coming up to them and saying, you know, we got to take these guns away from you and we got to, you know, like, you know, the same thing with the driver's license, we got to take this away from you. There can be a lot of resentment uh, and some of your relationships can be damaged because, again, it's not that they just forget everything. Uh, certain things stick and certain, you know, certain things don't. Uh, but I do like the idea of maybe getting them out of their home or kind of like I had talked about before, maybe you know, if, if the other spouse is fine and it, and it's kind of up to speed mentally, so to speak, uh, maybe you go and you buy them a, uh, you know, a, um, a gun safe or something like that, uh, where that they can at least have the ability to defend themselves, that type of thing. Uh, and that only that person has access to it. And then if they don't want to do that, uh, you know, if the, if the other spouse doesn't want to uh, do that, then it's, uh, you know, at, at that point, I think it's kind of up to you to uh, maybe buy them off of them or say, well, you know, we'll, we'll take them and we'll store them for you. Or if, you know, if, uh, if you want to give them to me, I'll take them and, you know, that type of thing. So right now, most of us kind of, it's one of those things where 
because we are mentally sharp and aware and things like that, we don't really think it's going to happen to us, but it could. And it may be that this is something that maybe you want to talk with your wife or maybe you want to talk with, you know, one of your brothers or sisters about to where you say, look, if this happens to me, I want you to, you know, get with, get with the spouse and work out a plan. I, you know, I want these things. If I, if it looks like I am kind of slipping away and I can't necessarily be, uh, be trusted with them, you know, get them out of the house, that type of thing. So, and that's, you know, uh, for us as gun people, we don't ever really want to give up our firearms for any reason, but, uh, it may come to that. And it's just something again that, uh, like I said, I've never heard anybody talk about it or bring the subject up just because I guess in part it is kind of a touchy situation. Uh, and I, I didn't want to really talk about other, you know, maybe other mental illnesses or, uh, maybe if someone was, was diagnosed with uh, a terminal disease, uh, and you were afraid, well, maybe they would use the gun for, uh, you know, for suicide, but, uh, that may be another subject for another day. Um, you know, again, something like that, uh, the main thing would be if mentally that they're stable enough. And if, if it were, I guess you could say if it were another type of, uh, they were suffering from massive depression, it may be a thing where you would want to, you know, just get them out of the house. And uh, in that, you know, there could be a lot more resentment and things uh, of that nature towards you. But it may be one of the things that you sort of have to do and say, well, once you sort of get through this and, and things are better, uh, you know, I'll give them back to you. Uh, but again, you know, there's, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole, uh, a whole lot of stuff that's going on there with that, as opposed to uh, just specifically the Alzheimer's type thing. Uh, because in that, you know, the mind is, is, uh, is kind of slipping away. Uh, so anyway, I want to thank you guys for sending that in. Also, again, if somebody else has, uh, uh, wants to throw in their two cents, please feel free to send it in. Uh, I'd appreciate it. Oh, you know, one other thing before we move on. Um, I haven't gotten any new reviews over on iTunes, so if you're a new listener, uh, and generally I don't usually, I don't know that it really makes that big of a deal or that big of a difference, but if you like the show and if you are subscribed through iTunes, if you could go over there and just give me a uh, a nice couple of written, just two word sentence written review. I know it's a, it's a pain in the ass to do. And I know it's kind of a lot to ask, but, uh, again, I, I'd appreciate it if you do that. Oh, and I also wanted to, uh, say thanks to the people that are still using the Amazon search box thing. So let's go ahead and move on to Alex's second part of his email where he's talking about, uh, maybe a pocket pistol. So he writes number two, regarding a pocket pistol, I've owned a Ruger LCP since they came out. It's not a bad little gun for what it is. People thinking that they're going to take steady aim with these are delusional. Besides the fact that the LCP doesn't have real sights, trying to aim this thing effectively is not easy. I wouldn't expect one to have the time to stop, carefully aim, and then go through the long trigger press effectively to keep rounds in a nice groove. Within 7 yards, you're good. 10 yards, you're still fine, but for me, this is where it starts to fall apart, mostly due to my hands being so large. I have a hard time with the long trigger pull. I have to pull it so far that my finger starts to turn the gun. For pocket carry, it's not bad, but of course you'll need a pocket holster. I did have problems with defensive ammunition. 
which had flatheads, so now I exclusively use round nose defensive ammo in it, especially RBCD frangible ammo. When I carry the LCP in a pocket, I use a DeSantis holster, otherwise I carry it in a Concealment Solutions Micro Mamba. I chose this holster due to the built-in magazine carrier next to the gun. In one holster you have a place for your gun and an extra magazine. I haven't owned the 380 car you've been talking about. However, I have owned a CM9 and hated it. The gun could not reliably feed from 7 and 8 round magazines. The 6 round mags were no problem. I sent the 7 and 8 round magazines back to car and they exchanged them for 6 round magazines, no questions asked. There were also some issues with the slide guide rod or recoil spring. There was some binding in this assembly. I wanted to like the gun, but it didn't like me, so I sold it. Everything else about the gun I liked, and car customer service was great. And again, that is from Alex. Uh, so thanks for sending that in. With the smaller guns, uh, well, before I jump in with that, uh, I had talked about looking at that car P380. Uh, I did go ahead and get that. I put about 100 rounds through it, and I had one failure for it on the last round to full, to fully eject out. Now, this happened early on, and it did not happen later as, as I shot. So this probably happened with maybe the on the 14th or 15th round. So it was I was. Uh, you know, about the third magazine in, um, they've got six, I have two six round magazines. Uh, what I was using was the, uh, 115 Winchester white box with the flat nose. So it wasn't the full rounded nose, but this was all I could get. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe it'll, but you know, I'll see how it does. And I know that some people with the smaller guns, uh, it's got a very small little feed ramp on there. So a lot of times, like Alex was saying with that, the flat head as opposed to that round nose it can it can kind of bind up on there a little bit but other than that i didn't have any problems and i think the reason that i didn't have problems later on is because i, I was really concentrating on the you know holding it and on the grip and that car the p380 is it's a tiny small little gun and what can happen is when you when you're firing off the first couple of rounds, you've got that good grip on it, but then you kind of just naturally sort of relax the grip. And with those, you've really got with those smaller guns, you've really got to give them uh, a good steady base, so to speak. And I think that's what happened with with me, is that I I knew that I was counting the rounds like one, two, three, four. And when I I think I knew that I was coming to that last round, and so I think I maybe eased up on my grip, but. I shot it both left-handed and right. I'm right-handed. I shot it, you know, right-handed, and I shot it left-handed. I shot it, you know, just one-handed. And what I found with it is the the sights that it has. It has like a little uh, vertical bar on the on the on the rear sight, and then your front sight has just the little ball or the dot, you know, however you want to say. And so you just kind of line them up and. And you do it, which I actually kind of like that sight picture. Um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, and again, a lot of the stuff that Alex said about the LCP is sort of the same with the car. Although for me, 
the the trigger pull is is much more revolver like, but it's not bad. Uh, it's a decent little trigger. There are well, the guy, like I said, the, the the guy that I got it from didn't really put that many rounds through it. So I technically I'm still if you know being truthful, I'm still in the break in period. I need to put in about another hundred rounds through it. And then what I need to do is start going through and trying to figure out what defensive ammo I can I can shoot in it. Now, there are kind of two schools of thought on that. Some people say, well, you need to have you need to have some good penetration with it. So if you go with the uh, the hollow point stuff, you may not get the penetration that you that you want. And other people say, well, you can just shoot like the the 115 and just get round nose or uh, because that way it'll give you penetration. And if you look at a lot of the gel tests and some of the ballistic stuff on there, that seems to be the case. You seem to be getting a little bit better penetration with the round nose stuff. You know, I, I don't know. If anybody has had some experience maybe with the 380 and I know it's, it's, of course it's not the same as a nine millimeter. You don't have as much penetration that you would normally get with the nine, obviously. But again, this gun for me would be maybe like a travel gun in places where I could take it if we were flying somewhere. Uh, and also because it's a, uh, that's one thing it's a, um, it's, I got the DeSantis nemesis that's designed for like the car or, or, or you know, for the smaller guns like that. So, I like it. You know, I've, I've had a, I've, I've had the DeSantis products before, uh, when I, when I was carrying my, my Glock 26 around, sometimes when I'd put those in pockets, if I had a deep enough pocket, uh, but the gun, once it goes in the pocket, boy, it, it just disappears. I've carried it around the house. Uh, I've carried it, uh, you know, like driving around and stuff, but not since I haven't put the full, amount of rounds that I want through it to carry it as like a solo gun. I'm usually carrying it as like a secondary type thing, you know, if I'm doing it just to kind of get the feel of it, but it's nice getting back to kind of the shooting thing. And I know I'm kind of all over the place on here cause I'm just sort of going off the cuff, but getting back to the shooting of it, I found that it was harder to shoot it uh, for me two handed and it was easier to shoot one handed. I seem to be able to get a better grip and have better control when I would kind of do that clamshell grip, you know, around the gun. I was sort of running into the same of the same problems. I have probably what would be considered a, like if you're looking at like medium, large, extra large hand, I have probably like uh, in the large, a large hand, but in the sort of that medium to small in the large section, you know, in the large range, if you know what I mean. Um, to where I have a big palm, but I've got kind of shorter fingers. So I can, uh, I don't have a, a problem uh, even with the bigger guns because my palms are big enough. Uh, but sometimes I have a little bit of trouble with my thumb being able to hit that mag release without having to kind of rotate the grip a little bit. Like on the, on the Glocks, I can, I can hit the slide release no problem, but the, the mag release without breaking the grip, I can't really do it. And probably if I had an extended one, I could, but I'm just running the stock thing. So anyway, my hands are just big enough to where if I've got both hands on the gun, my, my uh, trigger finger 
is kind of coming through and it's kind of riding up against my other, my other hand. And it's, it's not as, it's not as comfortable or as good, but I found that shooting at one hand, it was, it was a little bit better. Now, as far as accuracy goes, I went, I was at, you know, the range the other day with it. And if you take your time with it, it's actually a pretty, you can get pretty good little group with it. Even with the sights that it has, again, it's, it's, it's more, not necessarily a point and shoot, but it's something to where with those sights, you can pick them up pretty quick. Um, another thing I like about the car is the sights on there. You can change them out if you want. Uh, I kind of liked what's on there now. I may go though, I may look at some of the excess big dot sites. I don't know. Or I may just say, you know what, just sort of get used to what you've got on here and, and go that way. Then for the smaller guns, because with these, it still lets you do, you know, if you needed to, I guess maybe somewhat of a precision shot. Um, but if you're trying to shoot these little guys precisely, boy, you're going to really have to have to put a lot of time into it. Um, which you should be doing with any gun that you're carrying anyway, but I kind of know what they mean, you know, when they're saying, you know, these things are experts guns. If you've got to shoot anything out past probably 10 yards, boy, you, you really got to know what you're doing with them. So anyway, uh, that's kind of what, what I ended up decided on getting. I'm very happy with it so far and I'll keep you guys updated the more I shoot it with the, the one thing that people do talk about. Well, there's a couple of issues that people talked about that I did not have issues with. One was with unreliable feeding, but of course I've only been able to shoot that flat nose Winchester. Well, I take that back. I actually had three rounds, but you can't really say. I had three rounds of 380 round nose laying around, like 95 grain. And I don't know before if I said 115. I was probably thinking of a 9mm. But anyway, they were like the 95s. Anyway, and I shot those, and those seemed to, you know, they fed and... and uh, um, ejected reliably because I, I saved those three that I had toward the end and then just, you know, popped them in there so that I could tell a little bit of a difference. But I didn't seem to, to see any difference. But the magazines, some people had had problems with them. I know like in earlier runs, they had kind of a different design on the magazine. Uh, and I think they've fixed those. Uh, again, I think I said I had the, I have the six round magazines. I'll probably just stick with those. If I do get something maybe as an extension, I may do something where there's just a pinky extension on the base plate without adding the extra round because I know that sometimes you can have some problems with them. If I can find like maybe a seven round mag that has that extension on there, I may pick one up if I can find one relatively cheap and kind of see how it does, see if it's, it's, if it's, uh, if it's reliable with it or not. And if it was, then, you know, then I, I might go ahead and do it that way. I also, when I shot what I, when I first shot them, as I was kind of going through it, what I did was I took in the magazine, I just did six rounds and then I uh, would pull the slide back, lock it open. And then I would use the slide release, which is what car recommends you do to load the gun as opposed to pushing it back because that those springs, it's got a dual spring system set up in there. It is stiff and it's so small that it's hard to kind of really get it to, to push back. But I think the more that I shoot, maybe the easier that that has gotten. Also, before I shot it, I cleaned it up really well uh, and oiled it up real well. And uh, like I said, I didn't really seem to have any, any problems other than that one, which I think was realistically, since it happened early on and didn't happen the rest of the time, I think it was my fault. Uh, it's kind of operator error. But uh, oh, another thing, as far as internals go, 
Uh, it's, it's made very well. It's, it's a nice little gun. Uh, the feed ramp, everything in there is all polished and shined up and looks good. What I may do later on is I may go in and just by hand, uh, rub some polish over, you know, some of the places that I think make, you know, make just make a little bit smoother, that type of thing. But it shot well. And for what it is, being that it's a small little gun, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. So like I said, I'll keep you guys informed on that and, uh, and let you know. All right. Kind of switching, switching, uh, topics, Ugh, pardon the squeaky, the chair there. When I was at the range, uh, after I finished up, was talking to the guy and I said, Oh, I'll, you know, let me put my stuff down. I'll look around. And, uh, I saw that there was a Walther PPQ and I, uh, I said, Oh, Hey, you know, let me take a look at this. I've, I've heard a lot about these things. So now this was the M2. The M1 has the little paddle release for the magazine release. The M2 has the button like you would have on uh, on, on most uh, American firearms. I picked that thing up and wow, it felt really, really good. The trigger and reset on there were phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. I was sort of stunned. And then I noticed, I looked down uh, through the, the glass case there and I saw that he had... He also had an H&K, the VP9. And so I said, hey, let, let's do a little bit of comparisons on these. Because I was really impressed with that, Walther, with that Walther trigger and the ergonomics of it. So then I held the HK. And wow, what a difference. Um, that seemed like it was sort of almost custom made for me. Now... The, the break of the trigger, I liked a lot. And I, I thought that the reset on, well, the reset on my Glock and the reset on the Walther are superior to the, to the, the reset on the HK. I thought that the reset on the HK, though, was better than the reset on the M&P 9. Uh, but that, again, that's just me. Everybody's mileage may vary. But I thought the ergonomics of the HK was crazy good. Um, And especially with that HK, you can change out the back strap and the side panel. So you can do a lot with them to really get it to fit. But like I talked about before, sometimes on the Glock, I have a little bit of trouble with the thumb, you know, reaching, reaching and being able to fully depress it without breaking the grip, both with the Walther uh, I didn't have any problem. And of course, on that HK, it's got the paddle. So you don't have to worry about that. But I could tell that if that HK had a button, I was able to, to reach all the controls without doing any type of a, a break in the grip, you know, so to speak. And again, same thing with the Walther. So I think I told you guys before, I've got that, uh, I've got the Glock 26. And I've also got a Glock 27 now. I'm 27. Um, I've got a Glock 17. There we go. I will probably always keep that Glock 17. Um, I've got, you know, a bunch of mags for it and this, that, and the other thing. And I didn't really buy a whole lot of extra mags for the 26 because a lot of the, uh, all my mags from the 17 fit in there. So I figured, well, heck, if I was ever carrying that, uh, I would just carry a seven or 17 rounder for the backup. Now with the, um, so I think what I may do is I may end up selling that 26 and then picking up that Walther or that HK. And I just have to figure out, 
kind of which one I think would suit me better. Like I said, I liked the trigger reset on that Walther, I think a little bit better than the HK, but I, boy, I don't, they're so close. They're so close on those, but I like the ergonomics of the HK better. So it may be a thing of maybe going with that. I don't know. I, now I've yet to shoot them and that will probably be the deciding, the deciding factor on that. But I just need to find either a, uh, a rental place, uh, you know, a range that has them. Most ranges they don't like this range where I went and didn't have one that I could rent and shoot. Um, I, I called around to a couple other places and they don't have them, but I'll just have to keep calling and see if I can't find one. But again, both guns, uh, they're coming from good manufacturers. The Walther, you know, and that's another thing too, with that Walther, if I decided to go that route, I don't know if I would want to get like an M1 or the M2. Uh, so if any of you guys out there have either one of those guns or you shot them and you've had some experience, I'd love to get like a range report from you. And I think, I, I think the HK takes the P30 magazines as well. And they're both 15 rounders, which, you know, that's, that's plenty for me. I, I, one of the things I always liked about carrying the 17 was of course I had 17 rounds. But, you know, a lot of people carry the Glock 19 and that has, you know, 15 rounds. So, and since I'm used to carrying the 17 around as a, a concealed carry gun, the size of both the the HK and the Walther for, you know, like everyday carry wouldn't be a big deal for me. Uh, I'm used to carrying, like I said, the bigger gun. And then, you know, now that I have that, the... uh the car, as long as I can ring it out and it, it seems pretty reliable for me for places where I, you know, when I need a gun, but can't have a gun type thing or just absolutely can't be made. That's what I'll be carrying as long as it works out pretty good. So anyway, uh, let me know if you guys have those, but man, I was really impressed. I was very, very impressed with the ergonomics of both the Walther and the HK. And like I said, that HK I'd love to be able to play around with the different grips and the different, you know, panels and this, that, and the other thing. So that, that was just, a, I thought was superior and it makes me, you know, it, you know, kind of, I, I don't know if M and P kind of started off the kind of the ball rolling with having stuff or maybe SIG did, I don't know who did, but you know, for them to, for the manufacturers to look at it and say, okay, well we need to, there's all sorts of different people out there with different size hands and we need to make sure that, they can uh, they can shoot our guns if they if they want, and they can kind of customize them for their for their hand size. And it just boy, it makes a lot of sense to do that. And I think that's something where Glock has really kind of missed the boat. Um, and maybe from a economics point, they figure they don't have to right now. Uh, but I think once and I, and again, that's another thing. I'm not exactly sure why, like the Walther isn't more popular than it is. And I, and I think maybe the HK will, uh, you know, the same thing with that. I, I, once kind of word gets out on that, boy, I don't know why you wouldn't, maybe they just don't have the reps and I don't know as far as, you know, reputation for reliability and this, that, and the other thing, maybe just because they don't have that big of a market share, it's, it's harder to find people that have done the videos on them. When I was looking on YouTube, I saw, you know, there's a bunch of stuff, but they're not, you know, for the HK and for the Walther and stuff, but they're not really, 
the amount of videos that's out there and they really, and there's not like the torture videos or, you know, like this is how reliable they are. Now, having said that, I know a lot of times that kind of stuff is a little bit of a uh, little bit of BS in that for most of us, we're not going to have the gun full of mud and full of dirt and this, that, and the other thing. Um, so, you know, so I don't know. Um, sometimes I think, you know, them like sprinkling the dirt in the Glock or saying, well, I've never cleaned this and blah, blah, blah. Well, why wouldn't you clean it? I, that's the thing I don't understand why people don't clean their guns. Uh, Cause wouldn't you want it to give it the, the, the best chance of reliability as possible. But anyway, that's kind of a little pet peeve of mine. You know, people saying that they've never cleaned it or they want to see how long they can go without cleaning it before it fails. But you know, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make too much sense to me. Um, just because the nature of, I wanted to see how long it would go, you know, without cleaning it, unless you're in some post apocalyptic world somewhere where you can't clean it. I, you know, I, I don't know. And it's not like you're going to be in a firefight where you're shooting 500 rounds at one setting just because it's going to be almost, it's going to be physically impossible for you to carry that many rounds with you anyway. So anyway, enough of that jibber jabber. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about too. This will, I probably end the show on this. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Jay Leno shot show fiasco. Some of you guys may or may not know, most of you will know that Jay Leno was scheduled to appear at the SHOT Show. In what capacity, I don't know. I don't know if he was going to be kind of a general host or if he was just going to have a um, his own kind of like entertainment segment, you know, uh, for one of the days or something like that. But he has since issued a thing saying that he's no longer going to appear there. Now, the reasons that he is not going to appear is not because there was a scheduling conflict and he had a prior obligation. It's not because he had ill health. It's not because he fundamentally uh, disagrees with what the SHOT Show represents. And the reason I can say that is because he, when he agreed to do the show, SHOT Show, he knew exactly what it was. He knew exactly what it represented and uh, he knew that it involved the firearms industry. The reason he has withdrawn is because he received a bunch of complaints from a lot of the anti-gun groups, and they were saying that, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to be a shill for this organization, and they, you know, perpetrate the deaths of all these innocent children and all these innocent people, and blah 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 blah. So I don't have much respect uh, for him just because he went back on his word. He's not ob- he's not honoring his obligation that he said that he was going to do. And I don't really know what it gains him unless he just kind of didn't want any negative publicity. But, you know, for a guy like him, he would have done the appearance there and it probably would have went away. Uh, any any kind of, you know, quote unquote backlash that he would have received would probably after a week or two would, would just uh, evaporate into the ether. So I'm not exactly sure why, unless it's just sort of he... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not even going to try and, I guess, guess on his his reasons for doing that. The interesting thing is, though, is that he does has a uh, a car show that's coming up. Uh, and by a car show, I mean he actually has a, uh, a program that's going to be on, I think, one of the uh, NBC networks. And, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe he got a little bit of pressure from that, too. 
Although, you know, with a guy like him, you, you would think he's got so much money that I don't think that they could really put a lot of pressure on him financially. Uh, so, uh, you know, who's to say, uh, but again, you know, we see this a lot in Hollywood. Uh, although a lot of these people, I really don't know how sincere they really are when they come out and they, you know, they make anti-gun statements and things like that. And I don't know if they're just sort of saying what they think is expected of them because they want to make sure that they still get work, all that type of stuff. But especially it seems out there, it's very, it's very, um, left-leaning and liberal. Uh, so when you have guys that actually come out and say that they're for the Second Amendment, that are in the entertainment industry, and they say that they are, you know, they support gun ownership, uh, you know, you have people like Penn and Teller, you have people like Bruce Willis, and I think one of the most recent things was um, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Uh, they've talked about it before, but there was a kind of a blurb where he came out and talked about some stuff. So, uh, And again, you know, with all those people that I've, that I just mentioned, they've probably got so much money that they can, they can say anything that they want. And I'm not trying to take away, uh, any of their, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Their stand upishness, If that's a word, if you know what I mean, I'm not, you know, they're, they are, uh, they can face, you know, um, a certain backlash, I guess, probably in that community that they're in. Uh, so it does take some, uh, fortitude to come out and make those statements. Um, so anyway, let me know what you guys think on that stuff. Uh, you know, a, a funny thing is a lot of times there'll be an actor or an actress uh, who people will say, Oh yeah, I like that guy. Or, I think he's pretty good. Then that person will come out and say I'm anti-gun. And then everybody kind of jumps on the bandwagon and saying, Oh, he was always a crummy actor. Or, you know, they don't, they were never funny or this or that. And, and uh, whereas before they didn't think that. So, um, Sometimes I think, you know, we, we just need to step back too and say, well, Hey, I don't like this guy's opinions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that person's a bad actor or a bad comedian or a bad singer or whatever. Um, you know, everybody's entitled to them, to their opinions. But and again, the, but the thing with Jay Leno that, that bothers me the most, and it bothers me more than one of these celebrities coming out and saying, well, I've never been pro gun. I've always, you know, been anti gun kind of like that, like, I guess, Liam Neeson and everything. Um, the thing that bothers me the most about the Jay Leno was that he actually said, yeah, I'll come and do the show knowing full well what it was. So anyway, let's go ahead and draw the show to a close. Love to hear from you guys again. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any experience with the Walther uh, PPQ, or if you have any experience with the H and K VP nine. Uh, also remember there's tons of other shows out there. You can listen to, uh, that are really good firearms-related shows. Uh, there's stuff like Modern Rifleman Radio with my buddy Ken. There is uh, The Road Gunner with Chaz. Tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of other stuff. Um, too many to name. Anyway, I think, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the show. So I will talk to you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>